Welcome, Maddie. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. You're on. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> Very happy to have you. Amazing. It's great to have you. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I'm just hitting my mic now. Everything is a disaster. <laughs> okay. We started and the chaos has already <laughs> begun. Oh, it's good. We're bringing, we're bringing an unexpected energy to this slightly depressing movie. <laughs> yeah. An era of chaos. Yeah. We are we are the scarecrows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of this podcast. Oh god, that fits really like hammered home, isn't it? Um, okay. Should we just should we say so? This is this is Pochino. This is yeah. our Pochino. Um, uh, I'm Maddie. You're drinking tea. <laughs> I am. I'm sorry. I'm trying to like lubricate. <laughs> yeah. I keep getting a sore throat and then being like, oh my god, I have COVID. And it's like, no, you just spoke about the Godfather of three hours. <laughs> <laughs> I was so exhausted. We could, we could like, well, we don't need to re-escape last time. But I just like, I just lay down for like an hour after that. Like I was like, yeah, I know. I don't. I have absolutely no idea what we talked about because it's just like passed me by. I haven't listened back to it yet. Yeah, shows how like committed I am to this. I feel like we needed to take. It feels like it's been ages since we've done this. I think it's just because we were both so exhausted by talking about The Godfather that we were just like, we need some time off. Yeah. <laughs> and this is like a nice, this is a lighter, lighter. This is a, a <laughs> more slight movie yeah. than The Godfather, yeah. definitely. Yeah, definitely. Substantially. It was, it was slight. And I think it's, that's interesting. It, on one hand, it is a nice movie about guys being dudes, about what <laughs> if is. there were... Two friends, and one was short and one was tall. <laughs> which, is, which is actually our life story, so, I mean. Oh my god, am I the Pacino to your hack? <laughs> this is miserable. I don't, maybe, I don't want either maybe. of us to be either of these people. It's like, who's the Mikey and who's the Nikki? You're like, yeah, I don't want, yeah. I don't want to pick a side here. <laughs> I know, I know. Like, both of these people are terrible. <laughs> I don't want either of these personalities. Just messes in different and exciting ways. But it's not... Isn't that what friendship's about? You know, oh, it is. It to is. Be... But yeah, today we are talking about the 1973 motion picture Scarecrow. Oh, yeah. A John... Slash... Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking about... Uh, I think Midnight Cowboy was on TV. I need to watch that. I keep uh, needing to watch it and I just it's don't. It's really good. And because that was a movie that I kept thinking about when I was watching yeah. this. That's probably why he's yeah. in the brain because he made a similar kind of movie yeah a similar kind of movie a similar kind of energy a similar kind of denouement i guess yeah a similar dynamic what if one friend was short and one was tall <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's a nice they're both height difference king movies yeah yeah <laughs> also i mean just to 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 tie it into i don't know if we where we want to go with this i mean i have a lot of notes about where al is at this point great um, yeah let's talk let's talk about al yeah. what's he up to he's just i mean well i don't know I, he's just 
made a massive, great big movie with The Godfather. With what we were saying that we wanted to take a break after The Godfather, it's sort of what he did as well. And he went back to theatre, basically. Like, he went back, uh, he went to Boston to this sort of tiny theatre, working for like $200 a week, doing a play called The Basic Training of Pavlo Hummel, which... He's done a few times. He won his he won his second Tony for it in seventy seven when they did it on Broadway, and then he did it again actually this year, oh. earlier this year, which is kind of interesting to play that that character at like eighty and also at like thirty seven. Um, but yeah, so he was doing yeah. He just kind of went back to the theater and kind of his what he said about it was that he was frustrated with making movies because you can't you watch your performance and there's no way to change it. It's just there and it's permanent. And that's, I think, the attraction of the of the theatre, right, is to just change the performance every single night and to improve every single time. Yeah. And it's so out of your hands at that point, right? Like with a film, it's you do what you can, but then six months down the line, something is going to show up. Exactly, and it's gonna yeah. It's going to be a completely different thing. And I think because you've told me previously that he does not like his performance in this movie. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how he feels about... I don't know if it's necessarily just his performance or if it's... The movie in general, because I mean, there were a few problems with it. Um, so it's so they're working with Schatzberg again. I was working with Schatzberg again, but he wasn't supposed to be working with Schatzberg again. It was supposed to be, hang on, what's his name? He did it on Golden Pond, Mark Rydell, mm-hmm. um, who was who's on board to start with, and then and then they got Schatzberg on board. And Needle Park is such a tiny budget, such a Mm. indie movie and this is like for warner brothers the budget is much bigger um there's kind of the scope is bigger because it's you know across this massive part of america and i mean the thing that he says is i can't remember i don't know i have the quote down somewhere but anyway it came in they came in 17 days early which is kind of an insane thing to do and there were all of these like budget cuts and uh, scene cuts and yeah and he's what he said was that it was the best script he'd ever read the, the script for this movie and then they kind of ruined it in the film which I kind of I was thinking because I don't I quite like this movie I'm not like I'm a massive fan of it but I think it's good and but I could see if it's your favorite script ever the finished project that would be so disappointing if this was like the best thing that you'd ever read and you were in the godfather you know <laughs> like it's just yeah yeah yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think we both feel pretty much the same about this movie, which is that it is... There are parts of it that are good, and there are parts of it that are less good, a little a little relentlessly sort of bleak, um, but kind, they kind of don't necessarily... Or at least I feel necessarily that they don't... I don't want to say they don't feel earned, because that feels very dismissive, but... It kind of swings so suddenly from one kind of tone to another. It's quite a tricky thing to kind of give to them both to do. I mean, they're both great actors and they work very well together, but um, it's not a lot to ask of them, but it is a lot of weight that they have to carry, I suppose, on top of a movie that is not doing very much to kind of support them, I suppose, is how I feel about it. It's like, well, you have these two working pieces and they're moving in tandem together but everything around them is kind of not necessarily like if you took those two performances and put them in a better movie it would maybe be great but they're sort of stuck in this slightly middling movie which is a shame because they are both really great in this movie i feel like i've never seen hackman do anything like this which is so good a real treat he's great i mean 
when's he bad that's you know? the thing that's what i said <laughs> I, I wrote that down i was like have he, has he ever been bad like is gene hackman just one of those mm, guys like yeah probably honestly he's just one of those guys he and he looks so like one of the very first notes that i wrote was that he looks insane in this yeah movie. no 100 percent. he's got like 20 shirts on yeah he's, yeah like, he just he looks so wild yeah and i i very recently watched the royal tenenbaums mm, which is obviously mm-hmm. so far in the future for him at that point but it's just so funny comparing those two performances where he's very like buttoned up he's in his little suits like he's kind of wacky but he's a man of privilege he's got his suits on and he's surrounded by all this wealth in the way that everybody in that movie is surrounded by exorbitant wealth but he's so like goofy yeah yeah it's really strange a very strange uh juxtaposition i guess in terms of, like, my perception of him, but... And he is, yeah, really excellent. They're both great. I really like both of them in this movie. And this is a really interesting Al performance for me because mm. I feel like it's so... <laughs> it's so the opposite of... Like, you see why it appealed to him because it feels very much like the opposite of what Michael Corleone is. Yeah. Like, it's such a... For a while, in, like, a more stupid version of this movie he would essentially be the comic relief which is just madness no 100% yeah because he's yeah. like he's not an actor I necessarily think of as being funny which is you know uh, he kind of gets those bits in this movie the bits he's doing I so find, much business. I find this yeah <laughs> the first like whatever I guess it's the first act of this movie I find maybe some of the most delightful <laughs> stuff I've ever seen like to just watch Al like <laughs> messing about and being like really annoying to like gene hackman who's just like yeah. trying to like live his life and start his business yeah and and it's also it, it feels like such a like sort of a love story and sort of like mm. him looking up to hackman in that way of just this adoration that he has for this guy and like trying to emulate him not even trying to emulate him just trying to make him laugh and mm. trying to like yeah I don't know. just trying to like rib him a little bit it's really really funny to kind of see him like this after I basically immediately after watching The Godfather which is a movie about a man actually becoming dead inside <laughs> yeah, which I guess, yeah in a way this kind of also that's what I was like, thinking as well it's like him kind of freezing over yeah. in that way like near the end of the movie but then but he's so much more because he is a bit mm. fun at the start of The Godfather but not anywhere yeah. near like yeah. this like that's just like in comparison <laughs> to being completely like iced over and cold yeah. at the end but yeah, I think the difference is that in The Godfather, you see the potential immediately. Like, you see yeah. there's a little bit of something behind the eyes with Michael that is kind of just not mm. present here. I, there's a seriousness in him. Whereas I think I truly had... A, I had no idea what this movie was actually about. And B, I had no idea where it was going to go. Like, I sort of I sort of thought it was going to be like a road trip movie. Like, they were just going to like yeah, yeah. run away the way around the country. I would love if it was that. That would be great. <laughs> and then halfway through, it becomes something that is not that at all. It becomes yeah. a very kind of lonely, sad little film. And yeah. It, yeah. But yeah, it is interesting how they are weirdly parallel characters, even though the roles yeah. might not be parallel. In yeah, these very different environments these very different circumstances it's very strange that he would gravitate towards it you know in a lot of ways it's a similar role but in a lot of ways it's a very different role but you know the arc is is definitely it's definitely there and like i mean i saw that the comedy thing like 
I always forget about this, but he, when he was coming up in the theatre scene in New York, he was doing comedy shows and he was writing these, these little kind <laughs> oh of comedy God, things. Like little skits. With his friends. Yeah, yeah, to do in <laughs> like so coffee funny. houses in like the village, right? <laughs> and he's just like, so like mid 20s oh Pacino, just like probably doing similar stuff than he's doing in this movie. And I'm like, that is such oh, a delightful thing so to funny. think about. Like, on Saturday Night Live, like. <laughs> yeah, in the 60s. Getting his bits together, like he's got all his props, like just running around. Exactly. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, so much of this performance yeah, is him just running truly, around. Like, truly. it's just the energy like, he it, has is just. He runs, just... he just, he's bounding, he's like a little dog. Yeah. He's so it's like good. All of a sudden, he kind of like he tethers himself to Hackman so quickly and yeah. with so little consideration. <laughs> That's yeah. one of the other things that I noticed is how rare it is a movie, how rare it is for a movie to start with a character introducing themselves. <laughs> yeah, like the first thing he says is like, "Hi, hello, Gene Hackman. Yeah. This is my name. Let's be friends," <laughs> which is so funny. Oh, it's great. I have actually a, a quote from Al about that opening scene because he, he said, you know, when he said in the past that he wasn't a fan of this, but then this is from when he was talking to um, mm-hmm. Bilger Alberi cool, nice. in The Village Voice. So this was like a couple years ago, 2018. Um, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but he says like he wasn't a big fan of it. And then Tarantino showed it on his in his like theatre on 35mm. Oh, yeah. And then he says, yeah, and then Tarantino was just said, just said, see the first five minutes, just watch the first five minutes. And then Al says, um, well, I went and I saw the first five minutes and it was a revelation because mm-hmm. you have Vilma, oh God, how am I going to, oh. the cinematographer <laughs> who has a Eastern European name that I can't say. Uh, but, okay. Anyway, great cinematographer. Um, you have Jerry Schatzberg together, two great photographers working on a location. And that opening on 35 is shocking. Jerry Schatzberg gets these two guys in that five minute span to connect when they are absolutely, when they absolutely are opposite ends of the world. So it's just, I and I think that's, yeah, I think it's interesting because he did this sort of um, retrospective thing at, uh, I'm not sure what museum it was at, but somewhere in New York, he did like a retrospective where they were showing some of his films and he made the point that he chose some of his less successful films. I don't think this was part of it, but um, he chose like revolution and stuff like that, like things that were just massive flops. And he said, you know, at the time, this was a massive embarrassment and I hated it, but <laughs> there's a lot of value in like looking at the things that were failures and kind mm. of trying to find something valuable there and I don't think this is a failure really but I I can understand like it didn't do very well commercially and if you've just made The Godfather I mean <laughs> what what can you where can you go from there right yeah. all you can do is like Godfather 2 like <laughs> <laughs> yeah and he did that yeah and Serpico was successful as well so. I mean yeah it's a nightmare isn't it like yeah yeah how do you follow that up like you know and you do. I mean, I guess that is what you do logically. Like, if I was in that position, I'd be like, okay, like, give me the smallest thing, scale it down as much as I possibly can, and just give me the tiniest little movie. And it's so interesting that you, I, I obviously didn't know this, but yeah, it's a Warner Brothers movie. And yeah. It doesn't feel like a Warner Brothers movie. It <laughs> no. feels, it's such a strange thing to have come from a studio because it's like not necessarily inaccessible but it feels very it feels fringe it feels like yeah like but I think maybe that that might be the in some way the failure of it I was thinking like <laughs> yeah. this morning because I, I saw Nomadland um, a few, oh. maybe last month and very just yeah it's incredible I feel like that's kind of the the uh, the ultimate version of what this movie is sort of trying to do at the start mm. 
this like kind of freewheeling thing across America, like having these sort of little interactions with people, but you're kind of on the road, you know, and, and Nomadland is, you know, incredible and that it's about a lot more than just, you know, traveling. But I think you do have to kind of either go full force into it and just be this sort of this freewheeling movie that's kind of just vignettes like it's just little little bits of things that happen to you while you're on this journey and then this just kind of becomes so serious and becomes so plotty in a way which I think is kind of a shame because I think it is such a delight the first the first part of it and I would love to just see them getting into scrapes like yeah hanging out yeah just yeah it I mean it's a lot because it kind of it does have you know there are I think that the kind of, the thing I got really stuck on, I think, is because kind of as like an overall thing in terms of what I think this movie is about, is that there is, I think, this notion of kind of, this kind of need to sort of be quite self-destructive and to kind of want to take a good thing, take something positive and then kind of ruin it and Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, blow it up in some way. Like, literally blow it up like at one point they they start a fire like it's they get into a fight like they really don't need to yeah hackman is constantly trying to fight people someone's always brawning like the man is just (laughs) fists up constantly when everything's going i think it's also when he gets drunk as Mm. well it's like everything's going basically fine and then he gets a bit (laughs) drunk and you're like jesus chill out gene it's fine you're like oh come on but it does it feels like there is a sort of self-destructive tendency to both of them and I think that that is sort of you know they're kind of tethered to one another in this weird kind of way because they there's no real reason for either of them to kind of be together yeah neither one is necessarily gaining anything from their relationship like Heckman's character has this money but it's all very intangible and yeah yeah it's like they take so many detours and at one point it seems like neither of them want to do anything altogether and it's like well then why are you guys here? Like, what are you doing? Why are you... It's complicated. They have a really interesting relationship. And I think that yeah, it sort of goes from being very kind of, like you say, kind of like Al very much kind of like nipping at his heels the entire yeah. time. Yeah. And sort of just like trying to make him laugh and being a goof and being an idiot. This very kind of weird father and son dynamic almost. Yeah. And... You see them walking around together, and Al's such a little dude in this movie. Like, he's so skinny, and all his clothes are too big, and he's got his little hats on. Oh my god, I'm sad. Just his hat has this hole in it at the front. And when he puts it on, sometimes his hair like sticks through the hole in the hat. hat. Oh my god. And I'm just, I can't, I can't deal with how cute that is. It's just so endearing. It's so confusing. I was so confused as to what was happening with the hat (laughs) at various points. I was like, it. Headband, like, is it like a cap? <laughs> what is happening? I can't tell. His oh, hair is just great. protruding from mid hat. Like, it's, it's just kind it's of too oh, powerful God. to be contained. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was too much. I did want to mention, like, because we've been talking about how they get along. I mean, the the two actors didn't oh, get on really? at all. I- that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense to me. Yeah. Based on what I know about both these human beings, I'm like, oh, exactly. yeah, it tracks for me that they would probably not enjoy each other's company. Because I was thinking, like, I mean, because, I mean, Al has said, like, obviously, Hackman is one of his favourite actors, and he, you know, because, I mean, Hackman had been doing stuff before this. He's not new to films in the same way that Al is. I mean, French Connection is a couple years before this, and he's 
amazing in that and that was not early in his career but I could definitely see like I don't actually know what Hackman's background is but I imagine he's not um a theater guy I I don't know I was thinking that Hackman is such a character actor he's such a like every man blends into his roles but in you know not in a way that he disappears ever kind of thing but he's just always so locked in I kind of think of Al as being that kind of actor but he Mm. isn't at all it's just like kind of in comparison to actors now he feels that way but he's not he's he is very much like the movie star and and you can tell that that he's just charming Mm, yeah in a way that that hackman doesn't i don't think hackman would feel that he had to be likable in in a role even though he is very likable in this i I think he's kind of unselfconscious in that way which where i feel like alice is a very self-conscious actor yeah absolutely hearing you say it like that it's like oh yeah to me he's a character actor but he's not he's a movie star like that's what he's meant to be yeah Um, i think i found myself kind of almost uncomfortable with the level of like energy he's kind of bringing to moments of the movie and you say like he's like jumping around he's like throwing himself at stuff and he's doing all this business with his arms and he's yeah. just like it's like he's on a sugar high like he can't yeah. stay still he can't focus and i think this kind of works well in other movies maybe not so well in this it's just almost like a compulsion to kind of be the center of a t- of, of a scene or the center of whatever action is happening and i think that's a very human impulse like i think we all want to be you know if we're having a conversation we want to be able to insert ourselves into the conversation we want to be able to be present in a discussion and it feels like he's always trying to be present in the scene in that way but a lot of the time you know it's the thing that everyone always says you know like acting is reacting you have to play off everyone else and it feels like sometimes in these moments especially early in his career where it's sort of like he's getting his act together I guess like he's still learning how to be in movies yeah. Um, it feels like he's trying to kind of work out where he sits in terms of the hierarchy of the film, almost. And, you know, he's second build. Like, it's Gene Hackman, Al Pacino. It's not Al Pacino, Gene Hackman. And it kind of feels to me like he's pushing against that sometimes. Yeah. You know, consciously Definitely. pushing against that. And I can see why somebody like Hackman, who is such a character actor, is so, like, is so much a guy who will just show up and do the work and fit into whatever landscape you wanted to fit into. I completely understand why they would butt heads in a context like this, you know? I think, yeah, I think Al just isn't a supporting actor. He just, I mean, and, you know, there's. There's roles later on where he is sort of a supporting actor, but he just steals every scene he's in. And and this is definitely, this is one of those supporting actor roles where you're going to be in it basically as much as the lead, but the lead is the main character. And I think that doesn't really work with his style of acting because he is such a scene stealer. He is such a like, you you can't take your eyes off him. But then you're like, but Hackman's doing such interesting stuff here. I'd like to, you know, I'd like to see Hackman do stuff. Although I do, I do find him so charming. Like, I mean, in the scene where they're at the at this kind of scrapyard thing and he's talking to the and Hackman's talking to Frenchie and Al is just like crashing about behind them like <laughs> yeah just like picking up junk <laughs> exactly exactly it just being a complete nuisance and like I could see I do think in some ways his sort of it is a sort of neediness that he has just in general as an actor but I do think it kind of it works in places in this it works when he's trying to kind of get Hackman's attention and get Hackman's kind of love and all of that kind of thing but it can be a bit annoying as <laughs> yeah, well yeah. and i could understand if you were gene hackman you would just be like when will this kid just sit yeah, down this fucking kid like <laughs> exactly 
But I think that is kind of like that's kind of the secret of yeah. this movie that that is what well that is what works for me and that yeah. is that it feels like they do feel like a father and son in a way that's really interesting and that they're kind of you know when they're set up when they meet they're you know Hackman's like we're gonna be partners you're gonna be my business partner yeah and it's kind of it's established as a partnership and it never feels like a partnership no. it feels like a parenthood which is. Really, really strange, especially because they go on like like they're fucking women together. Yeah, they're getting drunk, and it's kind but of. But Pacino doesn't. I mean, that's the thing. It's kind of like it's it's Pacino's very much sort of following this guy mm. around and just like yeah. kind of you know Hackman does things and Pacino's just kind of standing there. Like even like when they come home from the bar and Hackman comes home with a woman and Pacino comes home with a mannequin and, and Pacino's just holding this mannequin <laughs> while like Hackman is just like taking this woman's clothes off and you're like what are you doing Al and then they cut and I'm like I want to know what he did in that situation does he just go for a walk or like literally I keep coming back to Mikey and Nikki now which is really ridiculous but (laughs) the best truly the the scene in Mikey and Nikki where they go to that girl's apartment oh my god Peter Falk is just standing in the kitchen like "Mm, so should I like read the newspaper (laughs) like what do you want me to do oh my god but yeah it's see I'm glad you brought that scene up because that was the moment where I was like am I gonna be able to query this movie oh, like is this something that yeah. I'm gonna be like hmm is the Pacino character sort of you know a young man looking for a man in his life in a yeah. way that I'm gonna be like hmm okay I see what you're playing with here and then like that kind of becomes text in a really horrible way yeah um, god that scene is yeah, so it's awful. Really awful really really awful really bad and to his credit he plays it very well it's a really upsetting sequence we should explain what happens because i yeah, feel like we just implied I mean, that like hackman yeah, have, like assaults pacino which is not what happens <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a fairly plot like movie which i guess is oh, i mean the first half of this movie basically has no plot there are two they're two drifters they're on the road i think it's interesting that um they both so like the way they both start kind of the way they they get to each other is they're both hitchhiking and Pacino just got out of the navy or marines or something yeah and Hackman just got out of jail for about the same number of years I think Hackman it's like nine and Pacino it's like five or something and they're both I do think that that speaks to something that exists at that time of Mm. this sort of Vietnam era thing even though not, that's not ex- explicit in any of it but I do feel like every movie is about <laughs> Vietnam um, yeah yeah um but this sort of yeah the like sort of lost souls that you get at this time that the system has just chewed up and spit out in whatever way like even if it's chewed up in in the navy versus in jail I mean it seems similar I mean I imagine they're quite similar experiences actually being in the navy and being in jail but yeah, I think I think that yeah, that this sort of drifter thing that does certainly I don't think really doesn't exist anymore. Although then again, Nomadland is sort of about that, so maybe it does, but it only really exists in America. But it does th- it does feel like and the, and the sort of they they at one point they come to a place that used to be a hobo jungle and Hackman says like he used to eat there and it's been replaced by a factory and it does seem like this is sort of this turning point in a way in America this kind of industrialization and people kind of getting slipping through the cracks of what's happening but then it doesn't really explore that a huge amount so I think I'm just reading that into it because I'm interested in that but. no yeah I think so I think to talk about displacement and to talk about that in the context of this movie feels so important because they are so you know the first act of this movie is just them like wandering around going to places exactly sticking their head in bars and into restaurants and into you know just kind of trying to find somewhere in which they fit yeah they have this nebulous end in sight and it's just kind of 
you know, they never get there ultimately. That's the point, right? That they just don't. Everything else gets in the way. It's this American dream thing in a way. It's this Max, who's Hackman's character. He's, he wants to set up a, a, a car wash? washing, a car washing business. <laughs> a car yeah. wash. Um, which is such a strange thing to latch onto, but I guess if, if he seems like that, that seems like his character to just to pick something and to stick with it and not to change, even if there's a better idea. Like, yeah, I mean, absolutely. It reminded me of Jamie Foxx and Collateral, which I watched oh, recently. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where he's like, like, this is what I'm going to do. I have every, I know exactly what I need for this thing and I've wanted it for so long and so I have to stick to it because I don't know how to do anything else if I'm not doing this. Yeah, like, and he's got this notebook with, like, all of his his money in it and everything is planned out to the penny and all of this and, yeah, it's, it's... Sitting there at the dinner table, like, we need to buy these wipers and these brushes and Mm -hmm. they cost $200 and this costs $3,000 and he just... (laughs) This really is just, like, all he has. You know, this is what he wants. And this is the only thing that is for him, you know, to go and do this thing. Even though, like, opportunities do come along for them and they do find themselves in places where they could potentially do something else. Like, they're in Denver, right? Is that where they sort of stop over with the junkyard and the sister? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's Denver, yeah. They kind of think about, like... Or at least Pacino's character certainly thinks about it. Like, whether, like, maybe we should just stay here. Like, maybe this is fine. They have cars in Denver. You yeah. Know? You, don't have to uh. go to, you don't have to go to Pittsburgh to open a, a car wash. It's... Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> I love that line. Where she's yeah. like, we have dirt in Denver, we have cars yeah. in Denver. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Just choose the thing that's going to make you happy. Don't cling to this idea of something, you know in Pittsburgh why does it have to do that what's in Pittsburgh it's a bullishness you know this is my plan and I'm sticking to it and again it it comes back to that notion of like like how they kind of they have this impulse to self-destruct everything and it's like well you know we know what we want and ultimately this isn't what we want and so to get past the fact that we're even considering it we just have to blow it up and ruin it because then we won't want it anymore and it's this very very kind of tragic masculine conflict that they kind of both have and the weird ways that they express themselves throughout this movie and it ultimately kind of just becomes a thing that fucks them you know it they're so bullish about this thing and with a sort of subplot with uh Pacino's character and his um the mother of his child it's which is kind of the most miserable yeah part of it's this movie or at least, you know yeah, it's really rough. But should yeah. we? Yeah, should we? Should we? Should we plot? Should we? So. So they're yeah. They meet. They travel around for a little while. They stop over in Denver for a bit. They meet some women. They have a nice time with some women, who are both pretty great. Like, yeah, Hackman. Hackman's sister, I think, is is really is really great. Yeah. And then Frenchie is just so uh, much fun. She's just. I like, love her. She's wonderful. Her being like, I'm gonna cook dinner and it's gonna be great. I'm gonna be this domestic goddess, and then they get like KFC. Yeah, because really she charming. gets distracted by like flirting with him, and it just burns. And I'm like, yes, exactly. Oh, it's really, really best sweet. laid intentions. And then you're like, but this is better anyway. Like, yeah. just get KFC and like have a chat yeah, exactly. and get drunk together. Just stay with them. <clears throat> like, it's fine. That's one of the things that works about this movie is that you really do kind of want them both to get it together a bit. You know, you're like, come on, this is clearly a good thing for you guys. It's staring you right in the face and you just can't. Like, you can't do it because you're so... Like, you're after something else and something we don't even know if it exists. It doesn't even feel tangible. I do think... I think it's... Because Hackman is... He's just looking forwards and he can't see what's in front of him kind of thing. And... 
Pacino, in a way, is looking backwards. I mean, he's thinking about the mistakes that he made and he's trying to fix things that he did. I, I mean, I think he's actually... I don't know if he is playing younger than his actual age in this, but he feels yeah, like he does he's feel in young. his twenties, not in his mid thirties. And he, so, right, so they're with they're with they're with his his sister, and then they. I think what they decide is that he'll he'll go to Pittsburgh to get the money, and then Al will go to to Detroit and see his kid, and then they'll come back, and then they get in a fight and they go to prison. <laughs> they get in a really bad fight. The sentence was six months. Yeah, which, which seems kind of insane, yeah. right? Like that seems like I you mean, should go to prison for like. I mean, it should, you probably shouldn't go to prison for just getting in a fight. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but yeah. like, yeah, that seems extortionate. Yeah, it seemed like I was like, oh, they're gonna be in there like overnight, maybe like a couple of days. They'll have them in a holding cell. They were like, nope, we are here for six months, and I was like, for what? Like. They just get into a fight on the street. Like, if every person who got arrested for fighting in the street went to jail for six months, months, everyone would be in jail. Like, it would... We'd have... Yeah. yeah, It would be chaos. It's such a strange prison as well. Yeah. It is a strange prison. It's like a farm. Yeah, so they're kind of like... They all sleep in one room, it seems like. And it's just like beds, kind of just like a hall. And then they go to work on a pig farm. But then they're also it's they're doing like a talent show and like I don't know, man. I don't know what that whole yeah, section is. It's it's a very strange little detour. It does feel a bit like I was gonna say it feels a bit like Cool Hand Luke. Oh, sure, yeah. Because the yeah. prison there is like very much like a work prison. Like you just you they're kind of like and it's very much more chill than I imagine prisons actually are. Like everyone like every all of the kind of there's a lot of camaraderie and mm. like Paul Newman eating fifty eggs or whatever, um, <laughs> but it's not. It's not. It's not like that. It's not. There's not as much camaraderie in this one. In fact, it's yeah, bad. But the opposite of that. Yeah, I'm really glad you said Cool Hand Luke. I was gonna be like, it's kind of like holes. <laughs> <laughs> just like it's sort of coded as prison, but like they're all just digging holes, and you're like, I don't know. I mean, oh my god. Okay. <laughs> I I have You've not seen, seen Holes. Holes. I've definitely uh, read it though. So. Holes is really yeah. great, man. It's good. You I should, should watch Holes. Holes. Um, <laughs> I'll just I can just run down the yeah. So he's so he meets this guy. They come to right? this prison. His name is yeah, Riley or something. I don't know. Sure. And yeah, and this guy is like. So I do think that this is. I think that this is kind of an important moment because for the rest of the movie, you do see that like. Al, his name's like Francis or Lion in it, but I just keep calling him by his name, but that's Al. fine. That's um, fine, that's who he is. In the context of this discussion, he is Al to us. Yeah, so he's just trying to, like, his whole thing, this this scarecrow thing, is that the scarecrows make the crows laugh, and that's why they kind of don't eat the crops, and that's kind of, his whole thesis is that if you make people laugh, nothing bad can happen, right? They They can't do anything, and that he treats everyone so well, and then now I'm just thinking about Paddington because I really feel like there is a, there's a parallel to be drawn between this and Paddington now. Um, <laughs> Paddington and Holes, like these are the comparisons we have. But just in the, it, I was just thinking because I mean Paddington too is about like being in prison despite being like a nice boy who treats everyone well, wears a yeah, little yeah, hat. This movie is exactly like Paddington. <laughs> I didn't. I did keep thinking about your tweet like, while you were yeah. watching this movie. You were like, "He looks like Paddington." <laughs> I was like, "He does kind of look like Paddington." It's just because there's one scene where he has like a like a jean a jacket hat, and like a little yeah. red hat, and I'm like, "He looks like Paddington." <laughs> just because 
just just two two like pillars of my like I don't know my personality. Um. <clears throat> anyway, aside from that, you filter any prison movie exactly, the and that's maybe not really? like pull Paddington into this when I'm about to talk about this like very dark thing that happened. Oh yeah, maybe this is not a Paddington no, um, discussion. Cover your ears, Paddington. Exactly. Paddington, go make a sandwich. <laughs> go make some marmalade sandwiches. Make some friends. Do something nice. Yeah, so he he meets this guy and he and this guy's kind of like in charge of the work orders and stuff like that. So he's kind of a person to be friends with. Um, and Hackman is just not interested. He's just being like the way he is for the whole thing. Like not interested in authority and responding to like threats or any of that kind of thing. Even vague threats. He's just like, fuck you, man. Like, <laughs> I'm not interested in like... Um, but Pacino is is like nice to this guy, and he gets put on a on a decent work order that's not too difficult. While Hackman gets sent to deal with the pigs, um, and then yeah, and he becomes kind of friends with this guy, and then they're drunk together, and the guy tries to assault him basically, yeah. like quite persistently, mm. and injures him very badly, and. Yeah, and it's really hard to watch because, especially, I think because because Pacino's been so such an innocent all the way through and such just genuinely nice to everyone, and yeah, it's it's really hard to watch and really awful. It's really rough, especially when you kind of and I think you see the kind of the crux of their relationship is that he's sort of he's like pissed off that Hackman has gotten him in this position and so he's kind of like kicking up a fuss a bit again and again it's sort of the father and son thing where it's like oh well you've done something to really annoy me dad so I'm gonna like look at my new friend he's so cool like he's great he runs the talent show dad like (laughs) it's very much that he's being like I've got a new shiny thing and yeah you're going to have a bad time in prison. I'm going to have a great time and it's going to be fun because I like to make people laugh and that means that I'm going to be fine. And yeah, it feels like a very genuinely exploitative kind of act. I mean, obviously in the most literal sense it is exploitative, but it feels like a power dynamic is being utilised in a way yeah. that's really upsetting. And that shot of him kind of coming back into the yeah. sleeping quarters and he looks so small in comparison oh, to everybody else and... He's just such a mess. He's so beaten up. His face is just covered in blood. It's awful, it, yeah. He just calls out for him in this tiny little voice. And yeah. it's really so sad. It's really hard yeah. to watch. But I mean, and Hackman uh, does respond, which I I think that is also a turning point in their relationship and that he sees that, like, this is someone who does need to be looked after and does need someone to, like, advocate for him, you know, or beat someone up for him or whatever it is, you know? He's he's not capable of taking care of himself in that way. And that they need need each other, I think. I mean, Hackman needs Pacino to calm him Mm. down and make him laugh and, and the, and... Pacino needs Hackman to look after him in that in that way, and Hackman had been basically just ignoring him up until that point. And I'm I I when I was rewatching it, I was like, does he just ignore him? Is this what happens? And then they're just not. But I'm glad that you know, very glad that that doesn't happen because that would be especially grim. But yeah, and then and then the guy kind of ends up on the in the pig section and then gets beaten up by Hackman. Gets his just desserts, I guess. I really like that he does, like, despite their conflict, he comes back and he's like, no, no, this is my responsibility. Yeah. I've got to look after this kid. Like, regardless of how much he irritates me, 
And regardless of the fact that he's treating me like shit at the moment, somebody has really messed him up. And it's my job to help him deal with this. It's, yeah, it's really genuinely kind of paternal. And it's really nice to see, to see that kind of bomb between them. I think, I mean, my favorite scene in the movie is the phone call scene, even though it's really really upsetting but i think both of them are so wonderful in that scene and it's so he's like essentially they leave prison um after a period of time i mean i assume they do the full six months but it isn't really specified they do their sentence pacino decides that he's going to go and get in touch with the mother of his child they go to detroit he calls her on the phone he's like working himself up to call her and Hackman like takes him by the shoulders and he says, you're a person. Yeah. And I'm like, just like, God, what a thing to say to I somebody. I know, like, Jesus. I was like, oh my God. Like, it's such a, it's such an overwhelming thing to tell a person. Like, it's so obvious. No, but, but it means so much. It feels massive. Yeah. It feels tremendous to be like, just what a thing to say <laughs> to someone. Like, to, to encourage yeah, them as well. Yeah. Like, remember that you're a human being. You are a flesh and blood person and you have feelings and you deserve to be treated like a person. Exactly, yeah. And it... <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot. And then he calls her and she is unyieldingly cruel to him, which may or may not be deserved. We kind of don't really know what their situation is or was from her side of things. And I mean, it does seem like this, this, uh, the woman who plays um, his ex is Penelope Allen, who is also in Dog Day Afternoon. Um, Oh my God, yeah. She's the head teller, yeah. And she's also, she's in um, Looking for Richard, which is Pacino's uh, like, semi-documentary about Richard III um so it's and I think I, th- I love that I love that they were fr- I didn't realize that she was in this but I love that they were friends like yeah seemingly from like 73 until like the 90s at least I think she's like she's I mean, she's great yeah she's great she's she has one scene and she knocks it out no of she's part, incredible like... I think she's like a theater actor mostly because she's she's pretty much just done like a couple of other movies other than one she's done with Al but yeah she's amazing and you can certainly see, you know, I could uh, completely understand if someone just abandoned you and just sent you like whatever like pittance you get from the Navy kind of thing. Like, of course, that's all of his money, but that doesn't, you know, what does that mean? And you don't hear anything and that's it. You're not going to be like, great, like. Yeah, like, welcome home. Especially if you're also, you're struggling generally. I mean, I think if you were kind of doing well in your life, you might be like, okay, I can be generous and I can say, okay, this poor guy, you know, whatever. And I've turned out okay, so it's it's fine. But it does seem like she's kind of struggling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's yeah in an unhappy <laughs> in an unhappy marriage to the banana king, <laughs> yeah. which is kind of a slight moment of levity in all of this. And then I I also had a thought of like I'm not sure if the kid is extremely oh well cast or the if kid every was... kid just looks like Pacino. Uncanny, like <laughs> because... I was like this kid, holy shit! Like he looks yeah. so much like him, and I imagine it's. Like it's probably not that hard to find a kid who looks like Al Pacino because Al Pacino looks like. I was gonna like say he's just got like, like yeah, yeah, just like massive <laughs> yeah, brown eyes, yeah. and I'm like, great, you did it. Just like big features <laughs> and kind of like sad looking. That's yeah, all, that's yeah. Basically, what all children look yeah, like. Yeah, exactly, you know? exactly. And it's like yeah, your eyes are huge and you are small, and it's like yep. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's about it. That's all you really need. But yeah, impressively similar Well cast, yeah. It's like the um, Buscemi's uh, kids on Sopranos. Oh when I saw them, I was like, this is uh, an incredible casting. Yeah. Just like you got like the most important features and they look perfect. So yeah, he's talking to, to his ex about the kid and he, not about the kid, he's just talking to her. 
And then he, she's like, you didn't ask about the kid. And he says, you know, like he got something for, for the kid. It doesn't know if it's a boy or a girl even. Like he left, like presumably while she was pregnant. Um, and then she says that the kid's dead, which is not true. That she miscarried. Yeah, and she fell, o- she fell because there was no one there and she miscarried this kid. And I think it's actually kind of great that he, like she says that it would have been a boy. And then when he hangs up, he kind of celebrates and he's, Acting like it's, you know, nothing, like, that he just found out that he has a boy, like, a five-year-old boy. And he's just, like, celebrating with Hackman. And that's the other thing. Before he goes in to do the phone call, Hackman keeps, like, opening the door of the of the phone booth <laughs> yeah. being like, and, you know, you know, like, just hyping him up. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. It's so good. It's just the reversal of their, like, their dynamic a little bit. I think after the, the assault that Pacino kind of internalizes and becomes kind of closed off and Hackman is trying to like get him out of his shell in the way that he has been yeah um, yeah they do they they completely reverse roles in this back half yeah I mean, for most of this back half it's like yeah Hackman has to do the like the cheering up which yeah is, exactly you know and he does his best bless him but it's just really not what he's cut out for it's hard you know it's I guess this is like the being a dad is tough kids kind of yeah yeah and then and then Pacino yeah he's basically acting like everything's okay and they go to the park for some reason and they're like celebrating and there are some like kids just hanging around and he's like telling this story and like making them laugh and like reading their fortunes and stuff and I do think Al is really he's doing he does very I think he's very good at playing the sort of like devastated but you're trying to hide that you're devastated where he's kind of all happy and he's being charming and then it just slips a little bit and you see how just completely devastated he is and then he like, you know, comes back to it and is kind of awake again and then eventually he's he's with this kid and he like takes the kid into the fountain and is like dancing with it and it's like like a horror movie. It's yeah, so awful. It's, yeah, it's a nightmare. It's really bad. And he's clearly just completely like catatonic at this point, Pacino. He's just like completely everything's just hit him at once i guess Mm, and he's just imploding yeah and then hackman has to get him out of this fountain and get him to hospital and then like he's just that's it he's just sedated at the hospital and yeah and it's just kind of i do think that part it what it hits harder because he is such a delight early on and so kind of um charming and happy and all of this kind of thing but then you don't know how much of that is like even that might be him putting it on in that way just to make people laugh like as a defense thing although but i'm not sure but um yeah and it's rough and then and then you and then at the end i was just like yeah man mental health provision in the 70s is just you just <laughs> yeah. sedate someone yeah, and then bad. put them in hospital for the rest of their life like i don't know what you yeah it's just it's really mm. bad yeah rough really rough really rough it's so sad to see kind of how desperate they both are in these last scenes you know, to kind of cling to something, to cling to each other and to cling to this, like, weird little dynamic and this dream that they have. And he feels so... Like, Hackman feels so genuinely paternal in these last few moments in the movie where he's he's just so, like, upset that they've had to do this. Like, he's getting all the money. He doesn't care. It's when you're, like... It's like when a kid is having a tantrum and you're like, I don't care. What do you need? Like, what do you want? I don't care. Whatever like, do it is. Like, do you want a lollipop? Do you want, like, yeah. anything that anything. you're not allowed? Just like just... stop crying. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you're like, I just need this to stop being a situation I have to contend with. And... <laughs> That little sequence in the fountain is really heartbreaking because he's so, you know, the moments kind of before you, before everyone kind of twigs that something is very wrong, he's sort of, he's so genuine with the children and 
He seems so kind of happy to be in their company and to be, you know, being a clown for these kids, basically. And I was kind of like, maybe if the world hadn't been the way that it is, maybe maybe if he hadn't been sucked in by, by the military and by the climate of this period of time, this American dream, this idea that you have to build yourself up and create something for yourself, if he hadn't been sucked in by this, like, and he'd have stayed in Detroit and, like, raised this kid, he probably would have been a pretty good dad. He would have been great, yeah. It seems like he has that capacity for empathy and for... Definitely, yeah. Engaging with people and that lends itself well to to children and to, to people generally. I mean, you know, he seems like... He's a people person. 100%, yeah. And yeah, it's a real bummer to kind of see how deteriorated he becomes by this, like, longing, you know, he didn't even conceive of having. Yeah, I think, yeah, until he lost, until he he found out that he'd lost the kid, he didn't realise that he cared as much as he did, I guess, and that he had missed out on something. And I think that also, in terms of having this sort of business relationship... Mm. Yeah, quote unquote business relationship with Hackman's character kind of it puts him on a path to something very I suppose very American in the sense that it's like this is what we're gonna do we're gonna put money into this thing and it's gonna be a big success and that's the thing that's gonna make us happy and it seems like you know even though they are in these dire straits when we first meet them he's like happy yeah it doesn't seem like he's you know in a world that he's unhappy being in in a way that he is later on you know he's goofing around and he's fucking with Hackman and he's like being charming and it seems like he's doing okay you know the circumstances might not be great but you know he's keeping on he's coping and it seems like once this thing is introduced this Mm. idea that he should want for something more that kind of becomes the thing that breaks him and that is what gets him sent to prison and that gets him you know their lives fall apart and he gets put in hospital and yeah it's just it's so corrosive this this want for something that you know they didn't even really need to conceive of wanting or shouldn't have to conceive exactly it's it's the the being told that you want something and and not being able to see like when you actually are happy to not be able to understand like that to just be content is fine you don't have to keep sort of reaching for something that they could just kind of sit and be fine and they don't have to be like you know incredible businessmen or whatever it is and like I do think it's sort of a it's a it's an interesting thing that Hackman is he's he's so obsessed with this idea and this picture of success and this picture of like how you make money and, and that that's what's going to make him happy and that squirreling it all away for this particular plan and it it clouds his kind of his judgment and clouds his ability to see like what actually he might want because he's so busy going after this thing that's sort of nebulous and he seems to have just latched onto and just not let go of it's yeah and I, I think that happens to a lot of people i mean that you that you think that there's something that you want but you don't know if you really do want it it's just something that you know you had an idea about once and you have wanted it for so long i mean it's been like nine years he's been in prison thinking about this i can imagine if you're thinking about something for that long like to let go of that is not an easy thing to do it's a bummer. And I think we're sort of, there's something about the way that men are kind of, they're tied to these circumstances, the way that they're expected to function in this world that they've created, and the way that they're tethered to each other in this way, with this dynamic that they have. It's so, like, fundamentally male, you know? He's the father and he's the son. And it's like they've created this thing for themselves that sort of doesn't even really need to exist, you know? It's, they've tied themselves to this sinking ship of, like, 
American exceptionalism, you know? Yeah. It's just doomed to fail. This, yeah, this, yeah, this like entrepreneurship thing that's just like, I, I don't know, it's just something that, that's so, that's valued by whatever, by society, I suppose, in that way that, and it's like, the number of those kinds of businesses that would just fail because like, you know, you don't have any training, you don't have any accountancy training, you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, like, you're about you know, to spend three thousand dollars on like windscreen wiping machines. It's yeah. Just, yeah. It doesn't yeah. seem like a good investment. I know. And like it's easy money, every car has dirt. And you're like, Yeah, but you also have ten million car washes. Like the demand isn't really there. Yeah. <laughs> and it is one of those things I think in other movies kind of like this that and around this time that it that's what the desperation that leads people to crime in that way right that, that there's no other way to make any kind of money because the there's you know the world is not set up for you to do better than your situation right you i mean i think i think about blue collar which is incredible the paul schrader movie and the the, the is an incredibly depressing movie as well because they they start in this position and they end one of them ends up like marginally better off but it's just sort of like this exploitative kind of you know cycle of you know, these working class people who will just stay working class because there's no way out of that. And yeah, I mean, you you, you either save the money and open a business like that or you start like stealing things kind of thing. Like it's, you know, I actually want to mention right before, so before they go to the park, I think it's, I think it's then, Hackman does this incredible striptease <gasps> in this bar. Oh God, yes. Ah, oh, which is great. And like, also, it reminded me of um, a scene earlier where someone's talking about like, I think some, I think it's when they're at the sisters, and someone's like, "Why do you have so many pieces of clothing?" Because Hackman's just walking around for the entire thing, like in twenty shirts. Like he looks insane. He's got so many layers, and he says something like, "It's to protect me." Yeah, he's like, "I get cold," you know, something like that. Mm. He does this literal strip tease, and he takes off all these copious layers. It's it is incredible it's great and it really is like so obviously like it's such a literal display of vulnerability it's like you know he's literally revealing himself in the most obvious way and it's instead of instead of fighting someone as well it's like it's previously if he got into this like i think they're making fun of of some guy a very drunk guy and then this guy comes up and's like that's my uncle you're making fun of and like hackman like gets starts to fight him and then he's like i think maybe either pacino stops him or i think pacino stops him and almost like goes to and he like almost hits him and then pacino goes to like walk out of the bar because he's just like i can't i can't do this and then hackman just starts doing this striptease and it's just incredible, and the whole bar is like behind him. And I was reading one of because I've been reading these like these very sort of trashy little like Pacino books that I bought. Well, one of them's good. One of them, <laughs> the Bibles. Yeah, one of them is by. La- I should actually mention what they are. Um, one of them is by Lawrence Grobel, which is actually good. That's like um, he worked for Playboy, and he did a really long, really good interview with Al in Playboy in like the late seventies, and then interviewed him later as kind of the only kind of like a uh, profile style interviewer who's actually managed to get through to Al properly like over the years. So that one's really good. That's just interviews with him. But the other one is called Al Pacino: A Life on the Wire by Andrew <laughs> Yule, and that one is uh, uh, interesting. That has more of the kind of tabloidy stuff about like his his relationships and things like that, which I find interesting. But during this scene, the the so Andrew Yule says like that Pacino is in the corner like I can't remember what the what he said but like acting you know kind of dopey being like oh why am I not doing that like as it like jealous of Hackman being like the center of attention and I'm like he looks devastated in that yeah. moment like when they cut to him like he's like he's watching and he's just like this guy 
it still has some joy left and I don't and that's how mm. I read it but then I don't know it's just so interesting when when I like read someone like reading his performance in a certain way and I'm like that's not what I got mm. out of it at all yeah but. that's an insane read to me like he looks so so dead-eyed like so sad he's like oh god like it's more like he's like oh god this is what I was like yeah yeah this is what I've been doing and now I realize life is futile yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Like, I can't believe I made myself look like this for so long. The world is so miserable and dark, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah. what a strange reading. <laughs> Although, interesting, because I do think that, like, so much of the earlier half of this movie is Hackman being annoyed that people like Al's character. Yeah, just being like, yeah, oh, this fucking yeah. guy, what is it that he does that makes people, like, why do people find him so charming? And I want to, like... I know. <laughs> I want to, like, hit him. <laughs> yeah. It is funny. They're very I sweet, know. really. Bless them both. I know. I really I really do think that I mean in spite of, you know, whatever, them not getting on that well outside of the set, it is it does speak to something I've heard actually Donald Gleason say before. <laughs> that, um <laughs> if you're a good enough actor you can have chemistry with anyone, right? Yeah, like it doesn't Yeah. And these are two of like the best ever? Probably, like, two really great actors. Two of the best to ever do it. And so, of course, they, like, do great together, even though maybe they didn't do great together, kind of, personally. Um, Makes perfect sense, you know? Sometimes people who are good at their jobs can't be good at their jobs together, right? <laughs> like... And if your work style is, like, completely different and your energy is so different, like, I mean, that can't... Obviously, in this, that works on screen, but I could see, like, if you're you know we've said this already but if you're Hackman and you're kind of like you know Al saying that Hackman is very still before he before he does anything and he's like right. thinking and Al is like bouncing off the walls like freaking out about everything you know yeah. <laughs> which I could see would be like just shut the fuck up dude like just leave <laughs> yeah, me alone oh my god, <laughs> oh my god yeah see I would definitely be the Hackman oh in yeah situation. no same. I'm like oh my god I just want to be quiet I want to focus on the thing that I'm doing I want to hit this kid <laughs> <laughs> Like, who does he think he is? Oh my god. <laughs> like, I'll make a couple of movie two one day, Alfredo. Yeah, like... <laughs> yeah. Soon, next year. Oh, my favourite couple of movie, by the way, the conversation. <laughs> oh, we should we should do uh, uh, Gene Hackman. Yeah, Pod Hackman. <laughs> <laughs> we should. Uh, He's probably done some terrible movies, but I watched um, Night Moves recently, ooh. which is in- so good. It's one of those like just extremely solid 70s mm-hmm. movies where you're just like, yeah, this is exactly great. what I want. Like, just a private detective looking for <laughs> Melanie Griffith, like, perfect. <laughs> perfect. Well, yeah, I watched The Parallax View yes. recently. I had the exact same experience. Oh my I god. Was like, oh, we love it. We love movies about journalists doing little jobs <laughs> and like, ugh, it's so great. Exactly. Even though that movie's about like brainwashing. No, yeah. That movie is crazy. I really liked it. I had a lot of fun with it. And it looks amazing. Oh, it's like, just, all these great yeah. sweeping vistas. That's the, that's, I think that's Willis again that's the um, Godfather. I think, yeah, I think you're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, it is. He's it amazing. Is, I like, yeah. I know that guy. I know that name. <laughs> Uh, yeah, also I mean, great Warren Beatty Podron Beatty yeah <laughs> honestly I have now seen almost all of his movies just because like, he's done so few that I like have made my way through them I've seen all of his directing work most of which is insane have you seen Shampoo? yes Shampoo is great I really want to watch Shampoo it's great I think I'll really enjoy it like I really enjoy that period of comedy yeah yeah it's about like 
like being a man and not knowing how to stop being like you are, even though it's ruining like your whole uh, life. <laughs> perfect. That's I'm like, oh my god, that sounds great. <laughs> That's what all my favorite movies are we about. Love, we love like movies about men who don't know how to do anything else, like not knowing how to like turn whatever it is that makes them the person that they are. Yeah, off. exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. That's like truly my niche. My movie. <laughs> a movie about a guy who just can't stop being a dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh god. Boy. Well, um. Do you have any final thoughts on the motion picture Scarecrow? I have thoughts about Al's personal life. <laughs> oh, please do. Yeah. What's like, I mean, that we know he's he's post Godfather. What else is going on for Alfredo in this time? Um, Apart from uh, looking like Paddington Bear. <laughs> so he he breaks up with Jill Clayburgh around this time. I don't know if it's before or after this film, but um, it seems like they were either going to get married or break up. <sighs> seems like that was kind yeah, of the situation. That happens, right? Yeah. 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 Like, you are you know, having been with someone, I think they were together for a while, like, been with someone from your late 20s until your early 30s, and you're like, so either mm. we get married or yeah. we don't. Yeah, it's one or the other. Like, this is it now. Yeah. And, and she wasn't... <laughs> we say this at the ripe young age of 24... <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> I know it well. Happened to me multiple times. Yeah, uh, all of those uh, proposals. But yeah, so, and, you know, he was so, you know, he was dealing with his success. He was drinking a lot. Apparently, kind of every time, like when he was doing the Pavlo Hummel um, play, he would just drink after every performance because like, he found it so draining. He would just get drunk. And she wasn't doing particularly well in her career. And it seems like, yeah, it seems like, movie star stuff right you become a movie star mm-hmm. and you kind of lose perspective yeah. like what what yeah. do you want what's your life like you know um and then this is when he starts dating tuesday world uh totally perfect like just became a movie star yeah you know, like i yeah newly found fame yeah <laughs> and there was a lot of like very iffy stuff about her in my as in like from the writer being Ew. like sexist Ew. and weird in the yeah. like al pacino a life on the wire thing like oh yes Tuesday World, like, you know, I don't know, Lolita of Hollywood and all of this kind of thing. And I'm like, just Jesus fuck Christ. off. Like, she's not that young at this point. To, to, cl- to clarify, she's not like 17. This is pa- like post that stage. <laughs> oh um, she's about the same age as Al, I think. But yeah, so that seems like a sort of, it's one of those sort of midlife crisis things, but not midlife. It's like, like the, the pre almost. pre and post fame crisis yeah. thing. kind yeah, of. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, you literally do see it all the time when it's like, Somebody's newly famous and they've got like a... It's like the one I always think of as Brie Larson and Alex Greenwald. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> they were like going to get married yeah. and then she like wins an Oscar and becomes a superhero. Yeah. And she's like, maybe I should break up with my boyfriend from Phantom Planet. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe I should do something else seeing as my stock has just risen massively. What's a vibe, honestly? You're like dating a guy from Phantom Planet and you're like, is this all there is? Like... Oh, this is it for me. <laughs> I've peaked with Phantom Planet, which is just yeah, that's rough. Oh, <laughs> no disrespect to Phantom Planet, who are you know fine, fine. I think I have fond feelings toward Phantom Planet. Yeah, I guess you know <laughs> Jason Schwartzman. Yes, we like Jason yeah, Schwartzman. We do, we do, we like him very much. One of the better Coppola clan members. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, of the uh, the copious Coppola yeah. family tree. I'd say he's up there, you yeah. 
I'll do Jason Schwartz pod one day. <laughs> Work our way through every Coppola sibling child cousin. Yeah. Oh, we've got to do Cage. I mean, come uh, on. The, the I mean. one of the most interesting movie stars, like possibly ever. Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's got to be like twenty billion podcasts. Oh, I, yeah. Cage, that's a good though, point. Right? We don't need. To. I did actually have a look. I did some like competitor analysis on our podcast. I had a look if there were any Pacino podcasts, and I did find one. <gasps> But they weren't doing it in order, so I think that we're we're like. <laughs> uh, yeah, I see. Well, yeah, we're the purists. We we start at the very bottom, and we want exactly, me, <laughs> exactly, and we will be doing the like slog of the whatever 2010s. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're gonna do like all your Danny Collinses, you know? We're yeah, no funny business. We're now exactly fun. we're serious podcasters. You got to cover the whole career, man. Exactly. But yeah, nothing but respect for Tuesday World. No, she's great. She's you know, great. She's great. We we love Thief in this house. Um, She's also, yeah. So how long did they date? Not long. It seems like less than a year kind <laughs> of a situation. Because sure. mm-hmm. I'm still not clear on when he and Diane get together. Because I was it's, about yeah. to say, like, so did he, did he throw her over for I, Diane? I think... It must be that he and Diane were like very much off and on for a uh-huh. long time. And then in the 80s, they got together mm-hmm. while he was on his sort of break from everything. But it's one of those things, I guess if you've like known someone for a really long time, the sort of dating of it all is a bit weird. I mm-hmm. don't know. Like, I don't know if there's like a clear like delineation between like when it started and stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Like you say, it's just when, you know, you do know somebody for that much time and you have kind of... Very similar trajectories. Because yeah. she was with yeah. um, Woody Allen for a bit as well. Oh, God, yeah. I was about to say, oof. I don't know. I'm not sure about the... Uh, the timeline, Woody yeah. Allen timeline, because, like... Who cares, know, yeah. I don't wish to. Exactly. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't wish to know any more than I already know about Woody Allen, which yeah. is too much. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, final thoughts on the movie. I, I wish the whole thing was like a buddy comedy of them just traveling across and like getting into scrapes. Yeah. But then I also understand yeah. that that's the scope of that movie would not be very large, and I, maybe Pacino yeah. wouldn't want to do that. Like I don't know. I I would like a movie to just I would like to just sit in that part of the movie because I find it so delightful. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because it isn't really something that he does again for kind the of the comedy ages, thing. Right? Yeah, like comedy ish. I guess Dog Day Afternoon has its moments. It does, yeah. It's a comedy of like immense anxiety, whereas this is kind of the opposite of that. You know? Yeah. It's, um, he's very chill for the first kind of act. He doesn't do bits. No. For a while. No, no. Like he, I'm just thinking like Dick Tracy is like the, and that's like 1990. And he's not really doing bits there. Like he's playing it pretty straight, (laughs) even though he's in like an insane costume and like prosthetics and stuff. That movie is so good. I can't wait to do that. Um, (laughs) But yeah, no, I mean, he's like, he's kind of fun in Sea of Love. Like he's, he's having fun with John Goodman, which we love to see, but um, he's not really, yeah. Although actually it's not bits, but And Justice for All is kind of funny. (laughs) Okay. Interesting. Like, because Jeffrey Tambor's in that. Like, there's some kind of <laughs> comedy guys in that movie. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. That's a weird movie. Yeah. I'm excited to do that as well. Great. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Final thoughts? I don't know. Um, I feel like I've weirdly talked myself into liking this movie more than I did when I started. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's fine. It's kind of slight. And now I'm like, actually, I think it has a lot of interesting things to say about American men in this period of time and like the relationship between men. And again, we're just talking about a movie about 
men. sons, men, yeah, <laughs> men's, yeah, fathers and sons to be the son of a father. Yeah, exactly. And these and these guys, like, I mean, I don't think Hackman is much older than Al because he couldn't be because he's like still alive. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. like he he's he, he's not he might be like ninety max kind of thing. I don't know how old he is, but like. So he's like 10 years older or something like that. It's not old enough to actually be his father, I don't think. No. Um, Do you know how old Pacino is off the top of your head? 80, because he was born in 1940. Oh no, I've lost you. Oh no. 80. Yeah, he's 80. He's 80. It was amazing. It was like a really long pause <laughs> and then you were just like 80. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's exactly a decade older. Hackman is 90, so there you go. And it doesn't, that's obviously, I do, yeah, I definitely do think that Pacino's playing yeah, younger. Yeah, I think so. Because that character, like, I don't think, but then again, he he has said that he didn't have his life together in his 30s, like, he didn't know what he was doing, so I don't know how much of that is also just, like, men being able to age later. <laughs> yeah, that's like, true. Like, in that yeah. way. Because I think, but, yeah, I don't know. Because it does, it is interesting that he hit, he hit in his 30s, but he does seem mm. quite young. Yeah. He seems younger than 33, like... Oh yeah, generally, no yeah, yeah. He does seem younger in it, and it's interesting because I feel like he looks older in this movie than he does in Godfather, but mm. he feels younger. But I guess that's yeah. just the context of the movie, right? You know, like he's playing this young, sort of exuberant guy yeah. for most of it, and you know, Paul Michael's got a lot more like <laughs> yeah. beholden to things. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I do feel like both of them, maybe he's playing younger, because I do think that Michael could easily be in his... I mean, obviously, later on in the movie, he's, like, in his 30s, but he could be in his, like, 20s kind of thing then. Um, I don't know however long he's... No, we're just talking about The Godfather again. <laughs> <laughs> As if we haven't done enough talking about The Godfather. I know, but there's always more to say. <laughs> there is. Oh, God. There's so much more. Oh, dear. Yeah. We'll have to do, like, a... We'll do, like, two... We'll do two. But two is like, two is for me, that's kind of perfect. Completely perfect. Yeah, that movie. I love two. I love two. And I mean, yeah. let's talk about Bobby and I can't wait. Yes, exactly. Uh, my number one boy. Because that's just, that movie is two movies, oh, yeah. right? Like that's, yeah. so there's like a whole two movies <laughs> yeah. to talk about. And then there's also like all of my guys, uh, like there's so much Katsale in that. So and then good. there's like, oh, there's all the Cuba oh, stuff, man. I love that movie. Great. But first, before we do that, we are going to do Serpico, yeah. which is oh yeah, great. Oh my god, Serpico keeps. I keep being recommended Serpico by my um, algorithm on my TV, <laughs> or whatever. They're like, you should yeah. watch Serpico. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, not yet, not time yet. <laughs> I got more episodes to do, baby. Yeah, yeah. Serpico is next, though. So that's great. our first, our first Al Lumet picture. Excellent. And um, can't wait. Love to talk Lumet. Yeah. What a guy. Yeah, it's it's really fun. I really like it. Yay! Right. Also, it's the first I think Al playing like a real person, which is interesting because he's oh quite yeah, good at of that. course, yeah, he's playing the titular Serpico. He is. <laughs> Great! I look forward. He's to He's the it. titular dog in Dog Day Afternoon. He's got a hell of a mustache. Oh my god! And his bit, he's that might mustache. be like like peak Al hot for me. Is probably Serpico. <gasps> Interesting. I'm looking it up because I know he's got like a big facial hair situation. It's, it's great. Obviously... It, he looks crazy in that movie like at various times. <laughs> he's just like... <laughs> he looks insane. He's, I kind of love I it. really like it. I love a, I love a man <laughs> who can just grow in like a full face of, of a facial hair. A full face of hair. Yeah. <laughs> it's just huge. He looks like... It's great. Oh. It's great. 
he looks like something very specific. He looks like I can't pinpoint it. It's gonna really annoy me. <laughs> Figure it out before next <sighs> week, and then we can talk about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, give me a week, and I'll remember. <laughs> Something really stupid, I'm sure, but... I can't wait. Hey, that's great. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Well, I hate doing this. I hate closing (laughs) episodes. Uh, Yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter uh, for, like, semi-regular tweets, and you can follow us on Instagram for much more regular pictures of Al Pacino. Um, Yeah, thanks for listening. Bye.